Good morning, lovelies. It is December 7th, 2023, and this is episode 8 of the Paul Green Comedy Podcast. Eight episodes in a row, everybody. I actually have set records. Isn't it amazing that that's how many podcasts don't even get off the ground, that even eight episodes put me puts me, I think, in the upper 5%, I think? And so thank you for everybody out there listening to what this old stand-up comedian has to say. And overall, I'm really interested in just seeing and connecting with people out there who are also big into going for their dreams, no matter how audacious they may seem, especially in the arts, entertainment, business, all of that. And that is the world that I am stepping into more and more as I really follow my heart. You know, everybody says, you got to follow your heart, follow your dreams. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to know what that really is. So I've thought a lot about the friction between dreaming and delusion and gosh, I don't even I don't even know where I fall at in that spectrum. I mean, there's a part of me that wakes up every day and just and thinks that I'm completely delusional that what I'm seeking, what I'm hoping for, what I'm dreaming, quote unquote, will happen in my life is just complete fantasy, just bonkers, no way it's gonna happen. And I thought a lot about different types of dreams that I could have, right? So my dream, I think like any stand-up comedian, is to become successful, to become a draw, to be able to perform stand-up pretty much anywhere, to be able to draw large crowds anywhere, to be able to sell tickets. My gosh, to be able to sell tickets. And... For any of you out there not in the comedy sphere, that might seem like, oh yeah, doesn't everybody sell tickets? Doesn't every comedy show sell tickets? No. No. No, they do not. One of the most fascinating things that I'm discovering the more that I get into this is actually how hard it is to sell a ticket. And probably I think a lot of people don't realize that because... Anytime most people go to see a comedian, they're probably going to see somebody really famous who can sell out a venue. And so probably on a regular basis, most people going to go see comedy are only seeing sold out venues. And the assumption might be, oh, every comic can do this or every comic does this. Just once you become a comedian, all of a sudden, there are just thousands of people who are going to buy tickets and come to see you. And that is just not the reality. The reality is to get people to leave the house, <laughs> to forego the million other things that they could be doing, the million other streams of entertainment. I mean, just think about how often does any regular person even just go out to do anything, to see a movie, to go to dinner, 
to see a band concert, to to see anything. I mean, maybe once or twice a month for the average, maybe, maybe a little bit more than that. I don't know. So then you have to think of when somebody does go out, where are they going to invest their time and where are they going to invest their money? Most likely in the most famous, the biggest act, the biggest draw that happens to be in their town that week. And chances are, if they're a big enough draw, that those tickets were purchased way in advance because people are so excited to the, you know to see them. I mean, gosh, look at like a Taylor Swift coming to town or a Dave Chappelle or a Chris Rock or a Jerry Seinfeld. I mean, these big acts, yes, are going to sell so many tickets and everybody going there to see those performers are just like, oh my gosh, look how many people here. This is incredible. Uh, for every one of those gigantic acts, there is a line a mile long of comics, comedians, acts, performers who are, uh, let's just say, find it significantly more difficult to sell tickets to a venue. And, and like anything, sure, there's a spectrum. Um, but I would say that spectrum is really strongly skewed towards the top one to five percent of performers or top 10 percent or whatever the top core tile maybe so i have this dream and in some sense i'm living the dream i am doing stand-up all the time i get opportunities i get a chance to perform i get hired to perform i get booked i'm doing casinos i'm doing clubs i'm getting booked for private gigs and the reality is, though, if I were to step into any comedy club in America right now, nobody would care that I'm there. And all, all, 99.5% of every comedy club in America doesn't know who I am. And probably if they were to put me on their stage, it would be... I would really have to hustle and schmooze and meet the booker and talk myself up to the booker and the booker would need to, you know, start to trust me. The booker would probably tell me this actually just happened recently. I went to this co comedy club um, down in Tucson. I just walked into the comedy club. I met the booker. He was a totally cool guy. We had a great conversation. I talked to him for like 30 minutes and he was like, cool. Why don't you come to my open mic and I'll see how you do. Like, they they just, when you're in that position as a booker or a club owner, first of all, you have access to so many comedians. I mean, hundreds, if not thousands. I mean, I know bookers and stuff. We say, oh yeah, I'll get 200 emails a day of from comics submitting. So they're not really in a position to like need me, at least not at this stage, because if I can't draw people into the club, then I'm really in it. I'm an expense to them. And yes, I can be really funny. And trust me, I know a lot of comedians who are really, really, really funny and really talented and really professional. And that's all great. But until people are willing to pay money to see you specifically. 
that they are going to buy a ticket because you are on the show and show up, the the ceiling of success is really, really low in terms of how successful you can really be. Now, it's not that it's impossible, but I just find it's a lot harder. So I have this dream that one day I have a dream. I will have that sort of influence. I'll have that sort of draw. And it's hard to know if that's complete delusion or not. Because first of all, I have no idea how to, to get that. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm trying. I'm doing everything that I can think to do. I'm following my heart. I'm trying to hone my craft. I'm putting myself out there. I'm being more vulnerable. I'm being more honest in my comedy. I'm hustling so much more. I'm doing everything that I can on my own, but there's still no guarantee. I've known comics who have done that for decades and still aren't really a draw. And so, so I've just been grappling a lot with that, with that friction between going for the dream, having a certain expectation that there will be a positive outcome on the other side of that dream. And then also worried or curious if it's just complete bonkers delusion, just absolute sheer insanity. However, I think just about anybody who has realized a dream has expressed a similar idea, unless maybe they got famous really, really young and never had to really struggle, um, at least in the fame department. So, so I, I don't know where that I don't know where that lies because I'll think to myself, well, what if my dream was I want to throw a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl? As a 42-year-old white guy with <laughs> almost no athletic ability and, uh, you know, if that was my dream today, like, no, I'm going to be the first man who's never played tackle football except for his freshman year in high school where I got the crap beat out of me and... um Hardly even saw the playing field because I was so bad, although I was a halfway decent athlete and haven't played tackle football for <laughs> almost 30 years. And now all of a sudden I have this dream. Oh, I'm going to throw a touchdown pass on the Super Bowl. I mean, that that is delusional. Now, is my stand-up comedy dream that level of delusional? I mean... Obviously not as much because I at least do have some track record of success. It's like, okay, no, I've I've hit certain milestones. I know that I'm funny. I know that I can do well in front of a crowd. I know that I can write material and hone that material and get it performance ready and have that material do well consistently. But again, so many comedians can do that. And a lot of comedians can do it better than I can. So how delusional am I for still having this dream and still going for it and still sacrificing for it and still feeling it and feeling compelled and drawn to it despite all of the evidence to the contrary that, well, if it hasn't happened by now. So I don't know what the answer to that is. I don't know how to reconcile that yet. I just know that I have 
known that I've wanted this to some degree or another ever since I was a child. It definitely was calling to me, if you want to say that, since elementary school. I remember in fourth grade, I started entertaining my class, just being the funny kid and became obsessed with anything I could to get a laugh out of people. It's how I survived. It's it's how I masked all of my insecurities and all of my fears and all of my I'm not enoughs and all of that. And I think back then it was pure survival. It was how I survived socially in, in a complex social community where I didn't know how I fit in or how to be safe or how to exist and survive. And as that desire to make people laugh has evolved in my adult years, it it now comes from a much deeper place to where I feel like it is my gift, it is my passion, it is my desire. I have seen what a positive impact good, authentic, honest comedy can have on people and its ability to make life bearable and heck, maybe even enjoyable sometimes. And I think if if people are able to laugh, not only at a comedian, but hopefully that it gives frees them up a little bit to laugh at themselves and to laugh at their own mortality and their own struggles and difficulties. I, I think that's a noble endeavor. And... I never anticipated the amount of sacrifice and hardship it would require for me to be able to offer that gift in any sort of meaningful scale. Well, I don't want to say meaningful because if I make one person laugh, I've I might as well have made a thousand. And believe me, I have I have made very very small audiences laugh. I have made audiences of um, I did a show once for an, literally an audience of one. I was in a sketch comedy group. or No, actually, I think there were two people there. I'm trying to think if, I, if I've ever actually done a show for one person. I might have have, but I know I've definitely done two. And three, four, five. And, you know, it's not really that different to me. I've also done large audiences. Probably the lar largest audience ever was around, I think I decided probably around four or 500. For stand-up, maybe two, 300. I don't think I've done a stand-up show for much larger. I had, no, actually, no, I did I did do a stand-up show. I, I opened for a buddy of mine who was in town who asked me last minute. And there was a huge crowd there, probably. That was probably five, 600 people. And it was great. It was incredible. And as I just try to continue to grapple with this journey that I've been placed on and that I've placed myself, I, I don't, I really don't know how much of my free will is involved here. That is a much deeper discussion that I don't even want to approach right now. I saw this interview with, uh, what's his name? Tyson, Neil Tyson Degrassi, is that his name? Where he pretty much uh, 
proved or was arguing that uh, free will is a myth and that none of us have free will or something like that. And I'm just going, well, I thought I had free will. I will say this. Anytime I have been incredibly discouraged, anytime I've wanted to quit comedy, anytime anything has come into my life that would threaten my capacity to do comedy as much as possible, I something always, something always compels me. Deep coming from a God, coming from a universe, I don't know where it comes from. Something will happen that will get me back on the path of comedy. I don't always get it. I don't always understand it. I feel like sometimes my life would maybe be a lot easier or I might have a lot of success in other endeavors if I was uh, putting the type of effort and passion and brain power and consistency into another endeavor. But, but here I am, still going for it, still doing it, still seeking to break through a certain, a, a certain threshold. And I, I know exactly what that threshold is. And that's what I was talking about earlier. It's the ability to actually sell a lot of tickets anywhere. And by anywhere, you know, uh, anywhere that speaks English. How about that? You know, I don't really expect to be a draw in India or China or Russia where nobody can understand what I'm saying. But, you know, at least at least America that any sort of major comedy club or venue in America would know who I am and that the people who would travel to that venue, enough of them know who I am to where it's actually economically viable for that venue or for me to put on a show or produce a show there. To me, that that threshold is, in my opinion, what it would mean to make it. If that happened, I I would have my dream. And anything on top of that would be whipped cream and cherries, you know what I mean? So am I delusional? Or am I a dreamer? Am I both? I guess time will tell. I guess the audiences will tell. I guess I'll tell. Time. I don't know. So anybody out there, if you're living the dream, trying to live the dream, and you're also struggling with your own sense of delusion and grappling with that friction, just know that your buddy Paul Green out here is grappling with those same thoughts and I hope that we can all manage manage those those thoughts together and hopefully one day we'll know for sure if it was all delusion or if that delusion was really there as as a tool to keep us in the race because you know 
you get too much of a dose of today's reality, I don't think anybody would ever try anything because reality can kick you in the ass pretty damn hard as it has to me many times. So for all my dreamers out there, whether you're delusional or not, just know I'm here with you. I feel you. I love you. I support you. I encourage you. And if you've had a couple of those kicks in the rear end, I feel you. Had them too. And let's just keep moving forward, following the heart. The universe is compelling you. If you feel driven to move forward and compelled to move forward and it's calling to you from those deeper places, I guess we don't really have any choice but to keep to keep on going. So, my friends, best of luck to all of you out there. This has been Paul Green with the Paul Green Comedy Podcast, Episode 8, December 7th, 2023.